0: Are you looking to achieve a high quality and full life? You're in the right place. Welcome to heightened living. Heightened living. with your host, Austin Floyd. Hey, what is going on, guys? I know it's been uh, about a week now since I put an episode out. Been busy just doing life stuff, getting the growth marketing going and a bunch of that stuff also been writing a lot of new content for heightened living so um get ready for some longer more thought out drawn out thoughts um in the form of articles but this podcast is awesome i recorded a few weeks back with kiki bosch and she is one of the most badass uh women that i've ever had the chance of talking to she's a cold water free diver um trained in the Wim Hof method, creator of disturb the comfort, and just all around uh, mental um, creator of her reality. So this one was really interesting because we go into mindset behind going through cold water swims, understanding that getting out of your comfort zone, and we dive into a lot about how the mind works and what people are really like. So This one is, honestly, it's one of my favorite podcasts, and I think you're going to enjoy it a lot as well. Without further ado, let's dive into this podcast with Kiki Bosch. And there we go. Kiki, thank you for coming on the show. I got to start off with the first question, which is, what is your favorite superhero?
1: Thank you so much. Um, I would say my favorite superhero is, I think, the everyday human. Mm. because we all have the potential to be superhumans and we all have powers within us that can define us or not and I think the superhuman power the superhero power is in these small acts of kindness it's in taking care of somebody when they fall down or it's if you see an accident happen stop and help and to me, it's, it's the, the warrior mothers who are raising a kid all by themselves. And that showcases a superhero for me. So yeah, I'm, I'm not awesome. very much into super yeah. superheroes in the classical classical
0: sense. Awesome, well, we'll circle back to the warrior mothers in a minute, but so the everyday human finding their power and starting to to really be who they should or can be at their fullest potential how did you start on your journey? Where was the beginning to everything that you're doing today?
1: Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I really like spoken word poetry. And there's mm. one girl, she once said, like, every story has a beginning, a middle, and an end, but not necessarily in that order. Mm. So looking back, and um, where is my beginning? I think maybe it hasn't begun yet maybe I'm right in the middle, or maybe I'm at the end, like, I don't know, it's all subjective. (laughs) But I think, for me, um, I think the the start of this whole journey was not a very pretty one. And it was a story of of trauma, of abuse. And I would now think, okay, that is where it, for me, started to shift. That triggered me into something so out of this world, so alienating for me, Mm -hmm. that I didn't really know who I was anymore. Um, I realized that what I was defining myself as was a circle of abuse that I kept finding myself in and kept Mm -hmm. looping in. But then the moment I realized something, that was after, I would say, my, the, the last abuse I, I have had. Um, then, I all of a sudden, it hit me really hard because after, yeah, the story is, after um, this guy raped me, I didn't really dare to say anything. I didn't do anything. And one or two weeks after, uh, I heard that he raped another girl. Mm. And I think then, for me, that circle snapped. Because it was not me in the loop anymore. It was yeah. other people coming in and other people suffering. Um, I wouldn't say like the same thing, but it all of a sudden clicked inside my head. And I was like, why didn't I say anything? Because this is not just me. It's not about me. It's, it's about this other person, his patterns. And um, I can only have compassion for him to, to make him do these things. He must have had a terrible time himself. Yep. But I realized it clicked within me that I shouldn't be voiceless. I shouldn't not say anything just out of fear or out of anxiety. And then I really started processing in that. And the first thing that came was really guilt. I was filled with guilt. I, I didn't really see how to get out of that anymore. And I, I kind of had panic attacks and nightmares and um yeah i didn't really know what to say anymore because i knew that he raped another girl just because um yeah some other people were talking about it mm-hmm. but i never met this girl um he flew out of the country so i i couldn't really say anything i didn't dare to speak up because he was a colleague and i didn't want to like cause drama and, yeah. and work and stuff like that so but I think this was, for me, such a crucial moment to realize that um, yeah, silence is an act of violence too, and I contributed through my fear and my silence to someone else's pain. At least that's how I saw it back then. And of course, i more rationalized over that, and I, mm-hmm. I really try to forgive myself for yeah, the decisions I've made back then, because I was in a very stressful situation myself. So I can say, looking back now, oh, I should have done any, I should have done something. Mm-hmm. But I can't really be that person who just got abused herself anymore. Um, so I think that is where it all started. And once I really wanted to get out of that rut, out of that misery, when I started my journey to self-development and healing and and breathing methods and, and all this type of stuff so maybe that's the beginning maybe it was the end of something i don't know
0: yeah well de- it's definitely both because i like to think almost every interaction everything we do throughout our days we're a different person than we were before yes so it, it you know there's there's so many ways to uh to skin the cat but One of the things I I thought you said was interesting was silence is uh, uh, another form of violence or as like people always say, ignorance is bliss. I look at it like ignorance is not bliss at all. Ignorance is basically you're scared to speak up for whatever it is that you could be saying. How did you start to... Uh, that's such a, a tricky mindset to to understand that the absence of something is actually the thing that is holding you back. versus yeah. Something.
1: Well, uh, I mean, I do must give credit to the person who who said it. Um, it's it's also from a spoken word poetry a girl named Blade Blade Bird, and she wrote a wonderful poem, and she speaks a wonderful poem about. A similar situation mm-hmm. and I've heard it and then I was like it resonated within me so deeply and um, she talked about her abuse and about the girls who got assaulted after she didn't report and for me that resonated so deeply within me that I was like why didn't I report and then it really started clicking like it is we need to speak up And even if it's just for one or two people to hear it, um, I think we're made for storytelling. We're made for listening to um, not just adversity, but to be connected this way. Mm -hmm. And through the internet and through um, shitty television, we are not sharing stories anymore. We're yeah. sharing like these, these I, don't, I don't even watch television anymore so I can't give an example. But this is not the way that we're meant to share. If you share, if I stand in front of a crowd and I share my, my story and I say like, okay, I've been abused, that led me to being depressed, that led me to be anxious, that led me to be scared. There are always people who are in the crowd who say, Yes, I recognize the fashion. I recognize those darker days. I recognize abuse or or somebody in my family got abused, or mm-hmm. this is what we're made for. This is how we connect. So, yeah, I think that once I started to recognize that myself, it became easier and easier to indeed live this silence as an act of violence because I started to recognize how much it could give people if you just simply offer that hand of connection. And it's not just speaking. It's yeah. also really listening to their stuff. And then you connect on a certain level of, okay, you know, you're, it's always the classical that you're not alone kind of story. Mm-hmm. But it's more than that. It's not just knowing that you're not alone. It's knowing that you have a tribe. Yeah. And we are trouble people. So I think that is all where it goes back to.
0: Yeah. And it's fascinating with uh, with the storytelling. I mean, the rise of audiobooks is like really coming up now. Audiobooks, podcasts, and everything. I literally believe that it's because we're, we are supposed to hear versus always be reading something. And like for me, I can put an audiobook on 2x speed. I crank through these audiobooks like day after yeah. day. Um, it's just a different way of understanding information but so you took all that and now you're like my I can speak out I can be me and I can literally break the chains on my mindset and everything when did you then start to actually go into the water and start on that journey
1: um the water actually started before me speaking up I spoke to a few people um a few close friends about the abuse and some of them reacted really negative and asked me like weird questions like oh what were you wearing or or stuff Uh, like that and some didn't know how to react I think that's very normal Um, but also some that were really really supportive Um, and I think through that it kind of I still kind of was struggling with it, mostly alone. Um, and the struggle wasn't necessary, necessarily the, the abuse itself, but I got really bad nightmares from it. And, mm-hmm. of course, that caused me to have a lack of sleep. Then you're more prone to depression, yada, yada, yada. It really spirals down. But then um, I saw a Vice documentary of Wim Hof, and yeah. he, said, he said, do my method to become happy, healthy, and strong. So I thought, yeah, like, you know, I'm a bold person. I can do this. (laughs) So um, I started to do the cold water. Honestly, I didn't really do the breathing as much at first because it really, like, remembered my body um, as a panic attack. Mm. So I didn't really like the breathing at first, but then when I started doing them uh, with other instructors that were able to say, okay, slower or... um, I started to really like them, but the cult was my first thing. And I would really say from that, I can honestly say the cult has been my lifeline because I really thought, okay, you know, um, I didn't say anything. I'm a shitty person. Maybe, yeah, the world is better off without me. So I kind of was in that kind of mindset. And then I went into the cult. And what I would say now, um, once you're in the cold, there is no way out. <laughs> you can physically get out of the cold, but once you're in there, you have to look within. Yeah. And for me, that was really the first time in months that my mind just kind of shut off. That I was not thinking about the mistakes I made, what happened to me, and the person I wasn't or shouldn't be or wanted to be. I just was Mm -hmm. and this was like a really forced meditation because you get so sucked into (laughs) the moment you get sucked into being you and then I all of a sudden realize that I still have this quiet within that I still have the ability to to be and of course I would say that's not literally one ice bath that taught me that but once I started to do this, and once I really held on to this, this quietness, this quiet space in my mind, that I went back and back and back to do it. Um, every time you go into the cold, for me, it provokes another emotion. Sometimes yeah. it's sadness. Sometimes it's happiness. Sometimes it's, it's, it provokes something within you. It does something with the core of your being. Mm-hmm. You, you can be scared. You can like Every time before you get in, your mind is like, Nah, not today, you know, it's it's fine. I don't have to do this. (laughs) And every time you kind of overwrite those thoughts. So as well, simultaneously as doing the benefits of the ice bath, you kind of realize like, okay, I can think, don't do it, but I can still go in. I can still move myself. So there becomes this disconnect between what you think and what you're physically able to do. And for me, that that disconnect was like a little switch that I started playing with. Like, okay, I can think this, but do this. But then how does that translate to my everyday life? I can think this and do this. And it became really like a tool to navigate my world in a different way. And I think over time, once I just thought about the ice bath and it's like okay I'm really looking forward to have an ice bath and then I realized why I wanted it so bad it's because the ice bath um, really was a space for me where I could be forgiving towards myself yeah where I could be in that moment and just really relax and let go and yeah once I kind of realized this is this is this is something weird because once i'm in this big stressor in this big nature like um cold it's it's a force it's a force of nature and we just put us in it like either in an ice bath that's a bit artificial or into the direct cold yeah. but it's a force of nature it's an element as as it passes within this within this stressor i could be forgiving because it's a stressor, and I was yeah. like, okay, it's it's a stressor, and I then can reflect within me. And then something clicked. I was like, but with all of this happening, my life is an ice bath. My life is a big stressor that lays on me rather than, yeah, something that I provoke. So I started to see, okay, why can I be compassionate towards myself, and is neck like in this? Nature stressor, but not in the stressor of life. So I really learned to kind of shift This compassion from the arts path to towards me as a person and not the me only in this one particular moment and maybe it sounds a bit weird but (laughs) That took a bit of time for me to realize
0: (laughs) No, that is awesome because like yeah the cold water is such an interesting phenomenon because you literally can see the watcher where like the watcher is like watching your thoughts and you're like, yeah, hey, you're not doing it this time. It's like, Oh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. And like, I get some of my most creative, uh, elements when I'm in a cold shower. I don't know why. Like I do the sauna and then I go into a cold shower and like typically I'm like, Oh, best ideas. And I like feel all woozy. Like maybe I'm going to pass <laughs> out too. We'll see, but I'll look idea it's uh it's one of the dichotomies of life it's understanding that the the senses like cold isn't out to get you, yeah, and that's a lot of times like how people like see the cold like or raise like okay, yeah, it's cold outside, be careful, like stuff like that, yeah. whereas like cold is it's an intangible thing that is a feeling towards the body, I can't really describe it um. But it's one of those so interesting things. But now it's evolved so much for you that you're putting on events soon. You were just telling me that you have another event coming up soon. What What's going on in that event? Where is it? Uh, what's it going to be about? Uh,
1: so, yes. Actually, this event um, really started for me as, um, yeah, really a hobby, you know. Mm-hmm. I just in a weird way, I was I was speaking quite a lot. Like I got invited to speak at events, to speak about, yeah, what happened to me and how to call helped help me and blah, blah, blah. And on a way, I got really annoyed because I really love events. Like I love these concerts, people yeah. to come together. But when I'm speaking, I always felt like, okay, look, I can't really hear other people speak anymore because before I'm kind of... Not stress, but I'm just thinking about mine and I do, do want to, yeah, have everything in order to see see technical issues and stuff like that. But afterwards, when I'm on stage, it gives so much that afterwards I'm always like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of like, I want just to create an event with people that I want to listen to. Yeah. So I invited people that I thought had a cool story just because I wanted to listen to them. And then we did the first event, um, which was kind of meant to be uh, pretty small in a a space that, yeah, we collaborated with um, to be a trial, to see if, yeah, if this thing would work. And then we got the opportunity to host it here in Berlin, so that's where I am now, um, at a really awesome, awesome, awesome location in one of the, yeah, the most well-known clubs like... oh that's awesome yeah of the city (laughs) so it's like at night it turns into a club and during the day we're allowed to use it for the conference and yeah it's it's called uh fuck the blues the experience hell yeah so it's about um yeah how do we stop the winter blues before winter even starts so it's in november on the 17th of november and yeah here in berlin and it's really an event that is focused On experiences, like how do you give people not just tools and strategies as most of these conferences do, of like okay this works for me and here is what I did, but how do you give them an experience that they then can reflect to on their daily life? So within the within the day, we really try to tackle all the senses, like something with herbs, like herbalist is there with smell. We have a, a device called the Pandora Star which is a um, light like machine that yeah. kind of alternates your brainwaves and like, making you see three-dimensional things. And they call it like a no-drugs DMT experience. Really? So, yeah. So we have that. And then we have somebody talking about fear, emotional mastery. And some of them are really like hands-on things. Of course, there will be an ice bath. Um, so it's all these experiences packed in a day on how do you really center yourself yeah. and not just in a classical yoga meditation type of way, because I think, okay, that works for some people, mm-hmm. but that doesn't work for everybody. Of course, I think meditation is cool. It's good. And I love meditating. But when I'm in an ice bath, meditation yeah. for me is so much easier. So that works for me. And maybe like this light machine works for somebody else. Yeah. So it's really all experiences to give people to see what makes you tick, what yeah. provokes you to become, yeah, to see this, this light within yourself or this um, yeah, potential within yourself. And that's kind of what the event is about. So it's really exciting. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it seems like a lot of it, a lot of it goes to what you're saying, which like meditation is of course an internal state, um, and that's like kind of the yogis. They try to make it like it's just your internal state. Don't focus on the external. But most people understand or have some inkling. Like, hey, my internal state is almost always mirroring my external state. My external reality mirrors the internal reality. So a lot of times, like if you get the light right if you get the cold right if you get all these things right then it's way easier to just turn internal because now you just set up that outside to feel that same way that's awesome yeah
1: and i think for some people as well it's it's this not it's not necessarily adjusting the outside but making them see that they that they can experience something different Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes meditation, um, yeah, has a high line for people to go start it. Because they're like, oh, I would never, like, They see the classical yogi. And then if you make it more hands-on and you say, no, you can meditate by doing this or this or, yeah. So there are so many different ways of stimulating your inner self or bringing yourself back to resting state. That yeah, we really are planning the render run, around, just playing around with that. And of course there are like a, some some speeches on but then again they're very hands-on, they're personal stories. So yeah. we're not really we're not really giving you information. We're just saying, okay, look, this is who I am and this is what worked for me, yeah. and try it and maybe it works for you. But it's not that I give you a list of like uh, cold shower in the morning then meditation mm-hmm. then this and that and then you bulletproof coffee and then yep. it's it's too much for people they have to listen to what works totally. for them so yeah it's yeah a very personalized event i would say
0: yeah well also the structure a lot of time doesn't allow for like that freedom of consciousness and it seems like yeah. you have a very um cool view on consciousness uh, based on what you've been talking about is there anything specific when it comes to how you kind of see, uh, the inner self, uh, within you.
1: Oh, that's, this is a very tricky question. Um, yes. Yeah. I would say the self within you. Um, I honestly now think back to a beautiful experience he had when I was giving, giving a talk in, um, on the Elevate, Elevate conference in Zurich, which is all about consciousness, elevating Mm -hmm. consciousness. Yeah. And I, yeah, I had this wonderful experience with um, like a natural shaman and I realized through that, for me, the inner state is nothing and everything. It's everything and nothing at the same time. And through that, I realized like how much we... We are connected and maybe it sounds cheesy and maybe it sounds like a bit, a bit out there. But when I think towards myself,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's, I think Rumi said it, like you're not, um, you're not one drop in the ocean, you're the entire ocean in a drop.
0: Yeah. And
1: once you realize that, indeed, you are everything within yourself, you're everything you're the whole universe and every single cell of your being and i don't mean it in that very spiritual sense but literally the basics of our being they are the same and they're all connected and for me there is no single consciousness i think we are a collective consciousness Totally. and um then again I, i really love my sayings um i forgot who said it but um yeah. The the saying was the yeah, the it's it's a collective universe or um Oh, I forgot it now.
0: That's uh, it's all good. If it yeah. comes back we can go to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, sweet.
0: No, I'm huge on sayings as well. Um I don't know. I guess it, it becomes a habit when you're reading so much and you're like, Yes, <laughs> the exact thing that I always wanna hear. Yeah. You're like boom. Okay, put that somewhere.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, really, I really just love it. And I think this is the this is the thing. Like when people start communicating on this on this collective collective consciousness thing, mm-hmm. like so much of it seems a little bit out there, you know. But once I think it's not some uh, for me at least. It's not yeah. a feeling that I have twenty four seven. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm myself, I'm in a world of my own. Um, yeah, i now noticing life is a shared experience scattered by individual perspectives. Mm. So, yeah, sometimes I indeed go back to my individual perspective on things. Yeah. I go back to my way of seeing things. And then I realize, yeah, okay, it's this world is, is my reality. Like, it's it's yeah. how... How my past colored it, how my vision, how my even my on a biological level, how I perceive color yeah. like how how light enters my eyes and and all of this, but it's not the same for every past, but under that, under that scattered perspective, there is something collective, there is something yeah. that we all share and we all have, and yeah i'm I'm right now in a state of really seeing what is this collective consciousness and not just from us, but yeah. I would say what is the collective consciousness of beings. And I think sometimes there, for a lot of people, it gets a little bit out there. But with the Pandora star I once, um, I think it's now two years ago, when I first uh, laid under this light machine. I had an experience of really traveling back in time, mm-hmm. traveling back to my childhood and then me in the womb of my mom. And I thought, okay, cool. Like that's where it's going to stop. Right. But no, I traveled all the way down, like the, the line of creatures and all of a sudden it was the consciousness of a lizard, but not just the consciousness of one lizard. It was the consciousness of lizards. So I was like, okay, I I found myself in this state of being where I was a creature, maybe not a lizard, I don't know, but a creature that was on land and in the water, and then all of a sudden he entered the water and I became a fish, and then it it kind of broke down, the fish broke down into the, the molecules of the water, and then it broke down even smaller, 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 and then it exploded into the universe so yeah, this this yeah. was a very interesting, and then, just for a lot machine, it was such a cool experience. Wow and, yeah, it's, I don't know I that, yeah must sound weird <laughs>
0: No, I mean, I think every single person has um a view of consciousness, which they would say must sound weird, right. <laughs> It's because no one can pinpoint exactly what we think things are because you can't pinpoint what you are because you're the one trying to pinpoint what you are. Yeah. Which makes it so much more difficult. It's like the the finger can't point at itself. Um, yeah. It'd be very hard at least. You could try to do it. <laughs> you have to be a, double-jointed. Um Stop it yeah. off yeah yeah chop it off point it back although then you gotta then it's yeah. the conundrum: is the finger now over there and is this a different finger because <laughs> out there then we're getting into just a whole nother realm of stuff but i wanted to return to the uh the warrior mothers i thought that was such an interesting phrase and is there a story behind how you think about warrior mothers or um one of the ways that you approach it
1: Well, no, for me, it's, it's not really, um, I think we all, we all are warriors Mm -hmm. and we're all as well are the loving side of it. And I think sometimes, yeah, it it just came to mind when we think about heroes, when we think about people of impact, we sometimes do forget the people that are struggling in everyday life, like you know, I'm not saying that single mothers are the, the only ones struggling, and I would I would not even know. Like my parents right. are still in a very loving relationship, um, but I, it more defines to me that there is so much heroism in the world, yeah. and
0: people
1: struggling through life on different ways, on different paths. Of course, you have the struggle of poverty and you have the struggle of, of so many more things. But um, what I sometimes find is, especially with uh, single mothers or <clears throat> with people that are dealing, a single fathers from the same, same perspective, yeah. that people that are dealing with a, a life that is really asking a lot from them. And that you you are working taking care of the kid in the best way you can and then probably you get judged from from people around you to do this to that the idea that to just do different things in a different way to be better and you're under a lot of pressure because of course you want to raise your kid as best as possible and sometimes these are the heroes that we don't see that these are the heroes that we judge for what they're doing and it's so so easy to judge and say okay do this better do that better do your meditation do your yoga yeah. um prepare plant based food because otherwise your kids will. and then you kind of you're constantly judging on yeah. what other people aren't and what they are not achieving rather than seeing the hero with like heroistic, yeah. I don't know, deeds that they're doing and that they're really uh, trying their hardest. And maybe that is what a hero is for me. Somebody who just tries their hardest to get it right.
0: Totally.
1: And you can't really do more than that. So. Yeah.
0: So I know you you brought up spoken word a few times. INQ, I'm sure you mind that here. he has a great spoken word, it's change yourself, change the world. It's like stop focusing on the world change yourself yeah and like that's the whole concept of it um i like spoken word as well me and my friends used to uh try to rap to each other but uh-huh. i realized i could just do spoken word way better because i could have that like ever generative like turing machine in my brain where it's like word 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 and then like yeah. time coming out and i'm like oh cool like i could just sit here and ramble yeah when did you get into spoken word, and do you write any of your own
1: um, uh, I don't know. I think it got into it when I was really in my teenage years. Um, yeah, I really resonated with some some spoken word artists out there and um yeah i do I do write my own sometimes, like I'm not actively within the scene that like I don't yeah. perform um but I just really I write to to deal with things and sometimes I do post them on like non-spoken word like just just on paper mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's for me a way of, of reorganizing my thoughts and redefining my thoughts for me and then yeah sometimes uh, a poem gets out of that sometimes it's just words that you can't even read (laughs) but it's just yeah to me to deal with things or to yeah to really organize myself and yeah sometimes sometimes a poem pops out
0: (laughs) yeah so do you have any mantras or anything because it sounds like you're very intentional with the way um that you try to think nowadays
1: oh a mantra um
0: or of repetitive phrase, and yeah,
1: uh, no, I, I wouldn't say, like right now I don't don't really have that many that many mantras. Um, normally when I'm really, when I'm in the cold and when I'm yeah. really pushing myself, uh, I have this this mantra that maybe could be offensive to some people, but to me it it's pain just hurts. Yeah. To me, it's a reminder of the pain that I feel in the ice. Mm -hmm. It's just a sensation, you know, it's it's our bodies telling us something about ourselves and sometimes also emotional pain, it just hurts. And it's something that signals to you. And once you start seeing the pain as a signal rather Mm -hmm. than the thing itself, for me, it became something that I then could shift a lot because then all of a sudden it was a signal, just like thirst is a signal for you to go drink something pain became a signal that okay there is something that i have to look at or something that i have to deal with but yeah this this
0: is awesome pain just hurts that's awesome no that is awesome yeah I, i i have a couple i try to keep my brain tuned into what i'm uh what i'm really focusing on for the time being so i love mantras um i did want to move into real quick before we jump into uh kind of a different style of questions. Mm -hmm. What's your training nutrition like for approaching the cold, for doing uh, these feats of what a lot of people would go, I uh, yeah, I'm never going to do that.
1: Um, Well, at the moment, I'm training my breath hold a little bit, but I haven't haven't really been training as much because I've been traveling like crazy Mm -hmm. and busy with the event. And most of my training actually does start more in the winter times. Um, so for obvious reason that the water is then colder yeah. and it's a lot easier. Yeah. And I mean, these days when it's really hot outside, like it's th- 38 degrees now, yeah. the cold has a different effect. Like it's, it's cooling you down, but it's not yeah. this psychological, at least not for me anymore. Like it's not a psychological thing because it's so hot that you really like the cold. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I do some breath hold training, and then normally when I'm hardcore training, when I'm actually training, I do sit in the ice bath at least once or twice a day, and I train my breath hold, Um, but then most of the time, I'm literally out there in a lake, just Mm -hmm. enjoying, having fun, enjoying the scenery. Um, Yeah, training, for me, it's, it's a lost mental training as well, like, yeah. How do I? How do I ca- overcome my own limiting beliefs? Because if I set a goal to do something, people always tell me it's impossible. Like, people always tell me, "Like, are you sure? Danger? This, this, and this." And then, like, "Oh, who's gonna be your safety diver? And what is this gonna be? And what if?" Like, now we have a trip planned um, in November mm-hmm. to free dive with killer whales. And it's a really cool project, and I'm super excited about it. But then people tell me, like, oh, what if you get eaten? What if you get bit? Like, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen. (laughs) Um, But to train for these type of things is really just training to stay relaxed no matter what. And I do a lot of visualization training. Like, when I have a project, when Mm -hmm. I have, yeah, set a thing that I really want to achieve, swim a certain distance or swim in an environment where I've never been before, um, I go over it in my head. I would say 20, 30, 40, 50 times. Nice. Because I go over every single thing that can go wrong. Mm-hmm. And this is not uh, a negative way of thinking. But for me, it's, it's a way of okay, how can I be ultimately prepared yeah. even if I haven't been there? So exactly. I go over my head and what happens if I lose a fin? What happens if I consume a safety diver? What happens if I get a cramp, if I get cold, if I get water in my goggles, if I lose my goggles, if I lose this, if I lose that? What happens if there is something wrong with the other person that is saving me? What happens if I can't reach the boat? What happens if I have to stay in the water for longer so i go over all these things and then i realize like no matter what i will be okay and when i'm actually doing it i also do the action or the the thing within my mind okay Mm -hmm. um even if the boat is not able to reach me for another five minutes am i gonna be okay and then i try to signal to the boat that they should come and get me or to my safety divers or to the people involved, um, that I want to go back that. Yeah. Right. When I know that I could stay in longer, and I know that I'm going to be okay if this doesn't happen straight away. So I think this is more how I prepare for a dive or for a shoot or for something just to go over it and to go over every single thing that can go wrong and then know that I would be able to deal with it.
0: Awesome. So prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Um, Yeah. uh, No, I love that. I mean, I think it's so key. And with visualization, you might like uh, Dr. Jerry Epstein. He talks about uh, using – he actually did some research into using visualization for healing and a few things like that. Um, very interesting guy um, how far how deep are you guys going how long are you normally in this frigid water?
1: Um, I wouldn't say it's it's not really about depth mm-hmm. normally um, because yeah depth could be a little bit more complicated because then mm-hmm. normally you have just out of safety you have a line um, yeah. yeah so you're attached to the line and you, you're not very flexible So normally we stay between, yeah, the surface and 10 meters, Mm -hmm. um, just out of safety reasons, because there are so many things already that, yeah. Um, But I would say, um, I don't really normally say, okay, I'll stay in for this long, because it really depends, Uh, it really depends on how my body is. And... I would now I would be able to say, like, okay, my personal best is this amount of time, this amount of water. Mm-hmm. But that's not me every single day. Yeah, so yeah. I really don't want to define myself that, like, okay, I can stay into minus three degrees of water for over this amount of minutes. Yeah. Because tomorrow I might not be able to do that. So, yeah, yeah I, I do think, like, I stay in for as long as my body allows me to. And I think it's really listening to these small um, whispers of the body. And if you start recognizing them, like I know now how my body reacts to the cold. Yes. I know what hurts first. I know how my thinking is because the thinking slows down. And if I can't really hold a thought, straight anymore i know like okay um then i check with some things like to me my vision alters so i always take a focus point and then if i can't focus on that anymore or it becomes blurry i know like okay now my body is giving me a signal to get the hell out
0: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. so yeah well that's awesome though that's a a lot of body awareness and With something like that, it is uh, definitely crucially important to be able to take those cues. So I did want to transition into uh, a few questions that I always love to ask, which is, what is your higher leverage skill? And so a higher leverage skill is something that you can learn in one field, um, but then you can pick it up and apply it basically anywhere. So a few of them is uh, learning to breathe properly because then you can you know, work out better, meditate better, do all these other things better, uh, learning to learn, because then you can learn anything yeah. faster, better, um, pattern recognition, those are, like, a few examples I always give. Yeah. Is there anything, it could be a mindset, a tool, a trick that you use for most things that really help you uh, get to where you are today?
1: Um, yeah, I would say recognizing this switch, mm. recognizing that, um, You can have thoughts, but you don't have to give in to them. And I think this is such a learning process. Like, um, sometimes I wouldn't say struggle, but I know that people expect me to have the answers Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I'm still figuring this out. I've learned something. I've learned something from the cold, but I'm still figuring out how I really implement that in my daily lifestyle. And it's a process of growing. And, um, yeah, I think the more and more you start to learn that, the more and more you realize that, okay, you know, very classically, I'm not my thoughts. Mm-hmm. These are not things I have to give into. I'm not my past. I'm not my future. I'm not the mistakes I make. Yeah. And what I always say to people, like realizing that people have hurt you, but you have hurt people. You yeah. have made mistakes. Others have made mistakes for you. But the beauty of it, you're gonna make so much more mistakes in the future that you can just forget about them in the past yeah. because you have so many mistakes ahead of you, and just forget it. That like nobody, literally nobody, can be perfect. And I think we all have this um, extraordinary part within us. But yeah. yeah, this is this is this is not a like not a line. It's, it's a bumpy road and then you explore something about yourself and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this now for six weeks and then all of a sudden you stop for one reason or another and then you forget about it and then you have to relearn it again. So I would say to people, like, there is a switch and yeah. if you train this switch, it's going to give you a lot more in life. It's totally. going to give you so much power over your own thought patterns. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. I also like the, the, like, realize, like, you're not you who was in the past, in a sense. Um, There's a philosopher, I forget his name, but I think he was in the 1700s, and one of his thought experiments was, uh, what if today was your first day existing, but you were put here with all the experiences and memories and everything, so you thought you lived yesterday and everything before, but everything started right now, because you would have no ability to tell that, so I love that little frame shift, because you're like, yeah, I guess then you could be whoever you want to be today. So is there anything right now, though, that you're currently questioning? So this could be life, religion, politics, the way doorknobs work, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but it's something that common consensus goes, you know, it works like that. It has to work like that. You're like, I just, I don't think it works like that.
1: Um, yes, because uh, when, I teach, when I teach other people the Wim Hof Method, mm-hmm. um, the breathing has so many known benefits and there's so many uh, science and research behind it that I, I 100% trust that the breathing has its place. Yeah. But current research actually started to highlight a little bit that this breathing might just change your mindset And then it's the mindset that makes you able to cope with things better. So I am really currently thinking, okay, how, because I think when you see the Wim Hof Method and you see the extreme things that he does, there are so many other people that found another way of doing the exact same thing that I'm like, okay, maybe the power lays, how do we alter our mindset? And how do we think from something impossible to something that we really can overcome? And I think this is runners who run an ultra marathon. Yeah. This is, this is the, the yogis that can shift themselves in the weirdest, weirdest poses. This is, but this is so much, so much in our lives that starts with the self-belief. And I think this is so much more powerful. Like the latest um, study on Wim Hof, it's called Brain of a Body. Mm-hmm. It's how our brain alternates one particular part um, yeah, in our brainstem that then sends a signal down our spinal cord
0: yeah. to
1: inhibit pain on the first order neuron. So it inhibits the pain yeah. just when you receive it, when you receive it on your finger and then it goes through your spinal cord, there it already inhibits it. So this is if if it's truly possible to switch on this thing with our mind, then if you just could yeah, teach people how to really do this, how to alternate their own brain yeah. and their own mind to send an order or to send a signal down to your spinal cord to inhibit this pain, there is a huge potential there. Yeah. And it's of course, it's not um, clear-cut knowledge yet. It's not clear-cut science. And science is constantly improving, and I would honestly say for me maybe this this whole doorknob thing is science because yeah. science is a process it's totally. not the answer it's not the question either uh-uh. it's evolving and some things that science said are already debunked and then they get really it's it's always like this this um, exactly king-ponging i don't know and then they realize something and then we were like, shit, the body is so much more complex than we actually knew. It's constantly evolving. So I think, honestly, don't take science that seriously. I mean, I'm a science geek, totally. Uh, I love science. I love the research out there. I love everything about it. But don't take science for the one singular truth. Yeah. And Especially like with things that you just mentioned, like consciousness.
0: Yeah science know
1: yep. where consciousness comes from and who has it who doesn't have plants it does animal, yeah it's so much that we if we look intuitively mm-hmm. we actually know that animals have consciousness yeah because you can see it you can see it in the dogs you can see it in the cats you can even see it in the dolphins out there
0: you yeah. can see
1: it if you look into the eye of a whale you know there is so much within them but then we really like to say, like, no, human consciousness is more divine. Um, but these are things that we intuitively know, but we just don't know how to scientifically prove them. Exactly. And I think the balance between intuition and science is sometimes a little bit too much to the science side.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think there's a, a huge skew right now and people. We live in this crazy time where, like, theoretically all information is available to us but it's all information of what we thought we think um yes. or we've proved when most things are still hypothesis, like even uh, uh natural selection in darwin is still yes. a theory because it's yes. not actually been able to be proven in anything uh there's no double-blind placebo studies. there's nothing like <laughs> you can't take evolution and be like okay yeah. we're gonna have this these people do that those people do that and so it is one of those mindsets that once you start to understand that science has flaws and that we can only literally the brain can only see a certain range of frequencies, everything. Like we think about the light spectrums and like, yeah. it's actually women in on earth that can see uh, they have four different color receptors. Um, so they can actually see a different color than most people. Yeah. Um, which is like, so str- I don't even know what that, I mean, I can't, comprehend that
1: it's i actually it's so funny like, i had um i just met a person who is going to be on my event and when yeah. i was talking to her over the phone she said it's so interesting because she had eye surgery yeah and actually something went terribly wrong but she said now i can see this infrared light i can see things i can and my eyes all of the sudden yeah. pick up this thing and first of all i thought it's really annoying what is it and or, or, like, I honestly must say now, I'm not 100% sure if it was yeah. like ultraviolet or infrared, yeah, yeah. I don't know, something. But she said, I can see something that I couldn't see before. And it's everywhere.
0: That's and awesome. I
1: thought, this is so interesting. And she said, like, I'm still officially blind, yeah. but I can see something. I can see that there is something more that I've ever seen before. Yeah. And once like her vision is coming back maybe that then goes away i don't know Mm. but it showcases like there are so much things that we can't see that we can't grasp we can't even think about being out there and this is so interesting and for me as an ocean lover like cuttlefish are really one of these examples of like if you if you see them if you see how they can change their skin into bumpiness or non-bumpiness. If, if you see how they can communicate with light on their body, like they send these waves out. And if you see the mates, like I was lucky enough to, to be in a cuttlefish aggregation, you see that these males, they, they approach the female and then on one side, they're like giving out the nice colors yeah. to the female. And on their other side of the body, they're giving out uh, the danger sign to other males. Really? So swimming next to this female, half danger, half nice, just to always show the female the nice side of themselves.
0: Yeah, that's it's funny.
1: Cool. Like, there is so much going on that, and then, yeah, there's, it's, yeah, just to me, it blows my mind how, oh. how we then can think like there is not, consciousness in these animals or whatever
0: yeah and then we get tied up in all of our own stuff and we're just like earth is so horrible and it's like dude you're in one area in one part of the earth and you've never actually seen how anything works yeah nature's just playing a whole joke on us so is there anything that you're currently obsessed with
1: oh i would say um with other people um I really started to be very interested in in how, how can you not just speak to person, but like how can mm. you really connect? And um, this it's probably not really an obs- obsessive kind of way, but I'm trying to kind of shift my mindset on the, the approach of people and how how can I communicate. Even with a language barrier, how can Mm -hmm. I connect to people in a certain way? And I'm really trying to to navigate around that like, how can I really, yeah, really touch on a different aspect of of the human beings? And maybe I'm slightly obsessed with trying. To yeah, to shift this mindset within myself and yeah. to see what what you can achieve when you when you're truly there, and maybe in coming back to the mantra that came now into my head, um, I'm really obsessed with the the quote: um, "Show up to give, not to get." Yeah. So I try to focus my whole life now around: okay, if I do this, if I create something, how is it beneficial for others? And if people are involved in my business, and so I now have a few people who are helping me with Disturb the Comfort as a brand, as a trademark, yeah, yeah. like how can I really make it their business? Because if they can have their vision within my business, I think that's the only way I can, can give back to them. Because of course you give them a salary, like, of course, stuff yeah, yeah. like that comes in the end. Right now, I'm very low on funding. But,
0: um,
1: of course, this financial aspect is going to be playing a role, but I don't want to buy people's hours. I don't yeah. want to buy people, like, I don't want to buy their life. I want to create something. And of course, it's going to be under a brand that came, I don't know, up in my head, but how can I really give something back And even with the events, I'm trying like, okay, how can I give back while actually not even being profitable? Like, I think this is maybe something I really got from Ryan. Like, how can I be a better human? How can I be better, do better and be more significant? Even if it's not making sense yet to donate money to charity, how can I still make it work? How can I still see like, okay, 10% of all my courses are going yeah. to charity even if it's not profitable for me because i think so many people are saying that like, okay once my business is grown i'm gonna yeah. donate once my business is grown i'm gonna give back but when you're ready in that loop, when you're ready giving back as you go you're a sudden create something that has a really positive positive vibe added to it so with my events um really aiming for a few things and sometimes they have to compromise just because it's not yet 100% possible but yeah, yeah, yeah. With my events um I try to have all the meals plastic free so no plastic wrapping involved That's no awesome. plastic anything but then of course if people have stands and all of that they yeah, yeah they sell sometimes something in plastic and this is something I cannot make it 100% plastic-free yet, but yeah. I can create everything that's coming from my hands mm-hmm. being plastic-free. So the lunch, the food, the things. I'm really minimizing the flyers I put out there, just because every flyer is waste. Of course, yeah. people yeah. look at it, but these days people can take a photo of. It. Like if yeah. there is, if there are ten flyers out there, I say, okay, here is your, um, yeah, your virtual like. QR code and then you have your then you have your flyer on yeah on your phone so it's really how can I have an event that is as minimal waste as possible how can I event because from my beliefs I think um, we all need to eat less meat Mm -hmm. and I'm a vegan I don't want to force this up on people but I do want my event to be vegan just because otherwise it's not aligned with who I am so my events are vegan um but yeah then again like i don't promote this as a thing it's Mm -hmm. just how do you vend this it's just the food that you get it's vegan like no big deal um then i really want to donate money like one like a few percent of the income uh really donating it to a good cause and supporting friends and family and all these kind of things with it and That is kind of how I'm now building not just my business, but all the other side projects I'm doing as well. I kind of shifted away from um, the idea of, yeah, the world is something I can take from. But to me, I'm kind of away from this consumerism. I'm really looking to buy consciously. And of course, I have still clothing that I had for like, five, ten years that are not this, this bio cotton wool or whatever. But I'm making the decisions I can afford and make right now, yeah. which is buy less plastic, to make more myself, and to really see what can I do to have as minimal impact as possible. And sometimes that is really going somewhere over land. Yeah. And sometimes that's also being okay with myself if I have to fly somewhere. Because mm-hmm. I used to blame myself so much for, oh my God, my, my footprint is so ginormous because I'm flying to give yeah. a talk somewhere. like I fly to the US because I give a workshop or a talk somewhere. And then I was like, maybe if I fly there, the impact I can have on exactly. yes is a different balance. And I would never say, okay, like, I'm now going to fly for a holiday mm-hmm. there and there. But then I was like, okay, what can I do? to make yeah. this flight really worthwhile, to make yeah. it into an effort that gives back to whoever is involved. So, exactly.
0: Yeah. That is phenomenal, creating a community, um, and they will help fulfill. The thing with like the carbon footprint a lot of times, too, with the flight, like if you go there and you inspire 100 people to go make a change, then I guarantee oh. you reduced it by 10x of what yeah. the one flight was. Yeah. so it's a very you know you can't necessarily measure every, again with science it's like you can't be like well okay john's now recycling all this stuff and like he stopped doing this so like he i reversed the one plane right but the more that you understand yeah that you i think people
1: yeah help. i really love that really really love that and i think it's for me it's how for me, veganism works. Like, it's yeah. not about not eating meat. It's not about not doing this. And yeah. sometimes I find people who are vegan, they can be very pushy and a lot of people yeah. blaming them for eating meat. But it's how can you be compassionate? How mm-hmm. can you not be compassionate to all animals, human and non-human? And for me, that is deciding not to eat it. But if that is, for you, a different train of thought, mm-hmm. it's all about awareness. If you are aware of what you do and aware of what you eat then I would really say okay enjoy it yeah. and if it, if you are aware of it and it's a conscious decision i think the like the other end of of being conscious and uh, conscious about your food and conscious about it yeah. it's not necessarily veganism it's just awareness on what you what you put into your system and yeah, I think this is the exact thing. If you really like your grandma's chicken soup, mm-hmm. then eat your grandma's chicken soup. But don't let that chicken soup be an excuse to eat steak every night. Yeah,
0: yeah And this yeah. is
1: what a lot of people do. I could never be vegan because my grandma's chicken soup. And yeah. I'm like, this is not the point. Then eat this one thing that you really yeah. want to eat, but be aware of the things that, you're putting on your bread that are totally not serving you Mm -hmm. and it's not about black and white it's about what serves you best yeah yeah
0: conscious intention and that's one of the things that i mostly focus on which is like with anything it doesn't matter eating it's with like all things in life you are doing something make it conscious and then you can create it into what you want it to be yes and then stop thinking about it again because like once I'm, re- I'm rereading, I love Napoleon Hill, but I'm rereading uh, Outwitting the Devil, which is like his conversation with the devil. But mm-hmm. the devil talks a lot about rhythms. Um, and one of his things is a habit is developed once a rhythm gets uh, sound enough, and basically embedded into you. And so with all those things, uh, morning routine. Oh, I just, I don't have the time for it. I'm just, no, you do because you're, you're doing a morning routine regardless of if you're being yeah. conscious about it. So be conscious about it, let it go for a little bit, and then stop thinking about it. Because you yeah. create the rhythm which creates the habit. And it's exactly what you were saying. Regardless of the the style of eating, be conscious about what you're eating. Because otherwise, you are eating something. And if you're not conscious about it, it's probably not what you actually even want to be eating in the first place. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's it's so very,
0: interesting. Yeah. It's a... It's,
1: it's a really good quote I wrote it down <laughs> oh
0: awesome yeah yeah, yeah. it's um I, w- I think a lot about minimalism lately. minimalism to me or what I think it really is because I kind of tried to live out of basically just a suitcase a backpack and a camera bag um is simply being conscious with everything otherwise yeah. it's like what are you why why do you own that thing but uh I don't know it's cool like yeah you own this because it's cool no, you own it because you bought it at some point and forgot that you even have it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's so true, and I think we actually have a guy um, speaking about minimalism on the <laughs> on the event as well. Just because it resonates so much with me, and I was like, minimalism is not just the things that you have yeah. but it's also the thoughts that are not serving you it's, it's what clutter do you have in your uh, mind and what okay, clutter okay. do you have in your body that is not serving you at your core and okay really I mean honestly I own a lot of books because <laughs> I love them and it's, this just makes me very happy yeah, if I see yeah. a nice notebook. So yeah. every time I see a nice notebook, I have so many of these, like, like oh, yeah. golden, golden book mine's, things. That
0: sure. I mean, mine's even embroidered.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm, yeah, I'm ridiculous with them, yeah. too.
1: And, but then I flip through them, and I'm like, okay, these are my thoughts. These yeah. are my, like, diaries. These are, these are my business plans because I hate topping them on my laptop. But I write my whole business then, even if I write it down, I I just write it on paper and I I have a page for quotes and lessons and things. And I really love that. I have so many of them and I would say it's not minimalistic at all. But then I really try to say, okay, but I don't need this equipment. I don't need this amount of clothing. I don't need this. I don't need that because it's not bringing me happiness. Yeah. And if uh, owning 10 books to read um, yeah. and makes me happiness, then yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah. I actually get stopped at airports because I bring so many books in my backpack that oftentimes when I go through the, the scanner, they open my backpack, take out all the books, and shake them to see if I have something in between. Ooh. I'm like, no, I'm just reading a lot. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. So before we sign off, where can people find you?
1: Um, Yeah, so I have Instagram, Facebook. I do have Twitter, but don't do anything with it. So I've actually got a few emails of like, please, like, get active on Twitter. And I'm like, "Eh, don't really use that. Twitter.
0: Um,
1: So yeah, I would say Facebook and Instagram are the places. Um, For the event and information about the business, it's www.disturbthecomfort.com. Um yeah so i would say those are the main pages then i do have a personal page kikibosh.com which is yep. currently under construction so yeah those are the few few places where people can find me and if you want personal engagement i'm in berlin at the moment <laughs> awesome
0: yeah and I'll, I'll i'll have everything in the show notes linked out as well thank you so much for taking the time this was awesome chat
1: thank you so much for having me man cool of
0: course Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon, too.
1: Yes!
0: (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Heightened Living with your host, Austin Floyd. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit heightenedliving.com on Facebook at Heightened Living. We'll catch you next time.